Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Paul Fox graduated from Carnegie Mellon University, earning a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Music Viola and a Master of Fine Arts in Music Education. He retired in 2013 from the Upper St. Clair School District after 35 years in the public schools, where he mainly taught strings, directed the fall plays and spring musicals, and also served as the Upper St. Clair School District Performing Arts Curriculum Leader. Paul has received numerous recognitions over the years, including the CNGWQED-FM Volunteer in the Arts Award, induction into the Upper St. Clair High School Arts Hall of Fame, PMEA James R. Stewart Distinguished Service Award, and the National Association for Music Education Amplify Award. Paul maintains an active schedule presenting professional development sessions and webinars and writing articles and blog posts. He has been an integral part of music education in Pennsylvania for a very long time and has held numerous leadership positions at the local and statewide levels. I read a recent article about his work with the South Hills Junior Orchestra, a volunteer organization that he and his wife have ran for the past 38 years and how they are adapting to music making in the COVID-19 era. It's a story that I think everyone needs to hear, and it's a real treat to welcome Paul to our podcast. It gives me great pleasure for our second episode of season three to welcome to the podcast somebody who I've known and seen at PMEA events for, it seems like, uh, 15, 20 years an amazing music educator, uh, Paul Fox. And Paul, first of all, welcome uh, to the podcast. It's great to have you here. And just my hats off to you for uh, this recent article that I saw about Shijola. Uh, and uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and, and what your, you know, where you've been in terms of teaching. I know that you're retired now and doing this incredible volunteer work. Just give us a sense of uh, your career in music education? Well, Jim, you and I have been kicking around longer than 15 or 20 years. Yeah, it's quite possible. <laughs> I was trying to figure it out. I've been following your career. You have been amazing. Um, Thank you. Very I've kind of you. Been, I hate to say 47 years teaching, counting when I was in high school, giving private lessons. Does that count? Wow. Of course it does. It definitely counts. Wow public school teacher for 35 years, 33 years in the district that I have just retired from, well, just in 2013, Upper St. Clair School District. That's one of those places that's one of NAM's community's best, best music communities. And uh, I was- And where is that? Where is that in Pennsylvania, Paul, if you can give the listeners an idea? Western Pennsylvania, uh, just south of uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah, and we're in Allegheny County, the last school district before you, you kick into Washington County. And in that district, basically all 35 years of teaching, I taught everything except middle school, high school jazz, which I think I would have drowned in if I had. 
Because his yes, I'm a tuba player, but my... all right, we got we stick together as tuba players. <laughs> we could do a screech tuba and a jazz ensemble, but uh... <laughs> um, and as for I was a viola major, so it and really not a lot of improvisation. But I did just about everything, strings five through 12, high school choral for 16 years at Upper St. Clair High School, orchestra for most of the whole time. And then they got me involved in musicals and we did 30, under my direction, we did 30 musicals. So yeah, oh my goodness. variety of things, but I am a retiree, but as a retiree, I'm a volunteer. And we have a youth orchestra. I actually, it's a community orchestra. They have some adults that meets on Saturdays it's been uh, 38 years with that. Have and you been Have you been doing that all 38 years? Yeah. This is wow. Now we were in the middle of 37 when that ugly pandemic hit, and we are allowed to be in Upper Saint Clair High School to rehearse on Saturdays. We're not charged. We're volunteers. This is one of those rare. First of all, the orchestra is open to anyone. It's non-competitive. It's non-profit. No one gets paid any honorariums or salaries. So we're really one of a kind when the American Youth Symphony Orchestra League looks at it and says, what's your budget? You know, <laughs> but the 37th year, uh, March 14th, not allowed to be in the buildings anymore. And then the Governor Wolf in Pennsylvania said, we're closing the school buildings down shortly after that. So we went like so many other teachers in, in the field in, in their own schools. We had to come up with a plan B. How are we going to keep our kids practicing? Yeah, absolutely going so that's why uh well you know i did a little bit of other things like smart music if i could mm -hmm. add in other absolutely applications and as a string teacher i found there was something weird about this thing where you get a score by an inanimate object not the teacher and you told hey i got a hundred percent on this whatever it was i had a, a few students who when they first discovered uh the smart music thing they they wanted to get that hundred percent and they would do almost anything to get that hundred percent and so for some reason there's a very uh, external motivation they'd sit in a room or they'd beg to use my laptop computer can i try it again i only got 98 and that's kind of an unusual that's not why we do music it's I, and i wasn't telling them they had to get a hundred percent right a hundred percent then they hit a space bar and it disappeared you know so then i had to go do it again so there's a there's a lot of motivation it's portable well practice first is marvelous so we got interested because what are we going to do to keep them going and i i had two choices i had some money left in the budget for south hills junior orchestra and i said well i guess we could do a virtual performance and those little brady bunch windows and uh, let's see how much would that cost well maybe for five minutes on one song it might cost us 500 to $1,000. We're not good editors. We don't know how to do the editing of both the audio and the visual. Right. And that's a lot of money. And then what do we have? A, a product, I guess we pat ourselves on the back, and that was the end of our 37th season. I said, now, a better idea is to jump into this music first classroom. All these tools or toys, depending on how you want to say, hmm. all wonderful teaching um, uh, tools that I could then show my members, and we're talking members from grades four to adult. I have a, a, a French horn player who's a doctor who has decided he wants to learn bass. So we have some who are learning instruments while we're going through this. And now I can assign um, 
and basically we're taking the repertoire we were learning back in in the spring 2020 breaking it down and giving it opportunities for the students to learn and some of them need to really be given instruction on on fingerings on on accidentals and these tools that you guys put together in one package we're not grading them we don't have to do the school thing right we're trying to give i can give them feedback and like you do in social media if you're on top of your social media which i'm barely able to keep up with if as long as you comment on half of the 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 contributions uh you say hey that was much better than the last time you tried that now i get to listen to what they're doing on their own we're using sight reading factory to improve their reading skills we're using both note flight and um the musician uh, i'm not using aurelia yet but okay assignments for those those two components uh note flight something that's very unusual with the way we're approaching it i want them to go out and do this on their own they have to self-discover what is it that they need and what they want to learn become better at and if i give them xml files not pdf files right give them files that can be manipulated and i didn't know note flight was a part of this music first classroom when we started uh, we only started in july and so i we started sending out uh, notices to our members hey i got something special coming down the pike you're going to want to do this and although i lost two seniors we we're only about 25 26 active members in the, the Shazola south hills junior orchestra online academy but we, i told them we'll give you files that you can manipulate you can compose you can make make it work for your instrument and and that note flight edition was really a big help because then you know we were talking about making duets that a flute player and a french horn player could play or a or a trombone player and a viola player could play yeah and and by as long as we got the music somehow i use finale but then i found note flight so darn easy that um everybody can learn it so we're doing little modules to teach each of the pieces of the music first classroom and then i and we're got a long ways to go yet but we use the practice first as a motivator to get them to then sort of self-assess to see how things are going i'm really impressed with this package and this costs less than i would have ever had to pay for five minutes of a virtual performance oh no, no absolutely and 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 paul i think i mean because i know that you've been involved I've seen you at so many PMEA events over the years, and I know that you're very interested in technology. And I think what a lot of music educators were either kind of not forced, I think that's the wrong word, but at, at their administrators' expectations uh, when they saw these Brady Bunch style virtual performances were, hey, why don't we do that here? And you're right. I'm so glad you said that, that it is not easy. I've said this in everywhere I can possibly say it. It is absolutely, you need real hardcore video editor chops to be able to do it correctly and effectively. And what ends up happening is all these different video editing services around the country have popped up saying, hey, we'll do a concert video for you. Just like you said, in fact, $500 is cheap. I've seen it as much as $2,000 uh, to do a virtual performance uh, for a school. So. I love the fact also that you're a community organization and it sounds like there's a little bit of intergenerational, uh, you know, interaction going on and that they're using this as a, 
if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, a way to stay engaged with their instruments so that when all of this madness is over, that you still have a group uh, that couldn't be any more excited to get back together and play music uh, in person. Is, is that right? Absolutely. Now, this is a different model. And I think a lot of us struggled against it at first. Like, but let's, let's look at it from another perspective. I stand on a podium. I'm the only one that gets to talk. Shh, who's talking back there in the flute section? Yep. Uh, and okay, we're going to go from letter A to, and I'm directing the whole shebang, right? Yep. And somehow we had great concerts. I mean, we, we've toured across the country. We've been in Toronto. We've gone every place you can think of. We, we've not, not done a European trip. And in as much as the Southwest New York Orchestra doesn't turn anyone away, we're not, the, we have, in Pittsburgh, we have the Pittsburgh Youth Symphony. There are competitive orchestras that the students want that sort of thing, they can. And this is also, as you said, a family affair. We've had as many as five or six adults join in. Oh, I love having them in there because they bring a lot of maturity and they're yep. really help coach and all that sort of thing. But what's different with this model is I'm not going to be the primary teacher. They're going to have to be the primary teacher and we're finding out all these, oops, we're missing gaps here. Yep. We did, I, uh, I assume it was a musician assessment. I think that's what it was. It may have been the music first content uh, on key signatures. And we thought hey, this will be a piece of cake. We'll get through this real fast. And we had horrible results. Uh, whoa, you don't know your, your key signatures. Now I realize as a tuba player, I play B flat major, maybe a couple other scales. <laughs> um, I hate to tell you, we did not, and our band directors in those years, I don't think they, they try to hit a, the full circle fifths and minors. So we, you know. Here, no, you go to the standard five scales that all tuba players love. <laughs> and then, and you know, good God forbid, we're gonna have three sharps, you know, and the big, right. With, with orchestras, the strings are much happier with the sharps. The woodwinds and brass are not so happy with the sharps. The strings aren't happy with the flats. So we discovered things about individual needs. My wife is, is the co-captain, actually, she's the founding director as well, Donna Fox. She um, takes the strings. We do a virtual rehearsal every Saturday. So we do the synchronous stuff on Saturdays. And how are you doing that, Paul? Well, now, you know, we're allowed to swear on your podcast. Uh, sure, why not? We're all adults here. <laughs> Zoom. Yeah. <And laughs> think ask me, what would I do to wave a magic wand if I could? I would have, I, since I trust you folks, Music First, invent a better virtual conferencing app. But, um, and in other words, latency. Yeah, absolutely. And everything. So it's the weirdest thing. The two ways a Zoom works in ensembles is everyone turns their mic off, which doesn't seem to make any sense. Yep, it's counterintuitive, but I know exactly what you mean. One person gets to have their mic on. And since some of our players are young, fourth graders, um, they don't really want to be the one with the mic on. So I do a lot of the playing, my wife does a lot of playing, or we use soundtracks, or we use you know, recordings or maybe just the, a, a click track, like a, a metronome in the background or, and then one, two, ready, play. Um, one mic on, otherwise you get the delay, you get the problem with the sync. Or, and this one we're exploring now, all mics on, no speakers on. 
Now that's weird because most we have a wide variety. Music First works on iPads, on iPhones, on Androids. Boy, what a difference in, in, in technology. Because my last seven years I was performing arts curriculum leader at Upper St. Clair. I had the string program. I might have used a little smart, uh, smart music. I seem to remember I did, but yep. this one works on individual devices. You don't need to have microphones plugged in and everything. So that's really, you know, that, that was our goal to try to, to make everything work. But now if you turn off all the mics, how do I hear what those kids sound like unless I just have recordings from each kid? So instead, turn all the mics on and shut off all the speakers. And then my, my uh, uh, I will listen to everybody and they could go ahead and play. Now they have to follow a track. They'll have to follow right. visual conducting. Uh, I, I talked with a good colleague and good friend um, uh, from Duke University who said in his guitar classes, uh, Tom Kikta, he had to, uh, this was the way he had to do it. He had to use a virtual conferencing app. I think they had a better one than we do, but mm -hmm. then have all this, uh, all the speakers shut off, but they were using headsets or something. And then you can listen to the ensemble as a whole with them following a video conductor or you, or even or even just following the, the Zoom, the conductor conducting at the time. And then you can also listen to individuals and see who needs stuff. So we do that for about an hour on Saturdays. We call it our synchronous Saturdays. We then click off into musician. We click off into, okay, I want you to do your practice first assignments on this excerpt. I want you to do uh, so many minutes of sight reading factory. Go ahead and do it your, on your own, your own thing. And then we created something called, you ready? Yep. Thon. I, I probably could make a uh, better. Market. Can you say that one more time? I think I stepped over your world famous Duetathon. Duetathon. I love it. Very cool. <laughs> oh, I can put them in the Zoom rooms. Uh, and again, this is why I really love the XML file thing, so that the kids will get a list of a bunch of different in the public domain duets and they, they can drop them into no flight, or I do this for them, I will do this for some of the instruments, especially for the younger kids. So there's a whole set of duets that every instrument in the orchestra can play together, including our one percussion player who's playing a bell set. Right. So you can match it up with a tuba player and a piccolo, it doesn't matter. And then we put them into rooms, and then they have to play this game, just like everybody else with Zoom. All right, I'm the leader, I will say one, two, ready, play, and you will listen to me and you'll play with me and I'll do part one, you do part two. And they're on their own and I, boy, do they like this. And they get to pick the duet, they get to pick who's leader. And then after the leader, the leader doesn't get to hear the followers, but the followers get to hear the leader. Right. There's yep. two in a room, three people. So that works. It's, it's, so we're doing the Bach fugue in G minor. And we, we found, and I did have to key the whole darn thing in myself. It would take me forever. So we were able to um, put that in XML file and create basically duets. And that's the most challenging piece we're doing in our repertoire, right? right. And this gives them a chance to play it as duets. Actually, I have to also find things like when the saints come marching in and other folk tunes to make it work. They like the duet-a-thon. And the other- so I, I gotta, I have to stop you there and ask you this. And, and so Paul, and I don't mean any offense by this at all. In fact, it's nothing but admiration. I think a lot of people who think about folks who have retired, uh, you know, 
taught, I mean, I think you said 47 years, you know, they think, well, the, the people of that generation won't be able to use this technology, use a Zoom thing. How on earth did you figure this out? Because there are so many music teachers who are in their 20s and 30s that are lost when it comes to how on earth they do rehearsals and you totally figured it out. It's, it's fan I'm, and I'm not, I'm not saying this just because you're a guest. That is fantastic what you've done. And the ideas of, you know, shutting off their microphones, it, it, it sounds counterintuitive. It totally works because uh, if, by the way, for anyone listening, get a couple of friends on a Zoom call, unmute all your microphones and you conduct everyone else singing happy birthday just happy birthday and you hear how bad it sounds because there is a 500 millisecond delay on zoom so paul how the heck did you figure that out i'm i'm just i'm dumbfounded well we had fun but we had to take it a little slowly the kids the first thing you do with a zoom meeting is you meet and you let them talk right and they'll talk about some weird stuff yeah they're frustrated and i to be really honest that the people we're talking to the schools have resumed in our area mostly in a hybrid model. There are a few who are in person for half the number of population on Monday, Tuesday, or Thursday, Friday. And then there's some who are, you know, completely remote. They've done all, there are only a few who've tried to do the full, full deal at school. And so that means a lot of this uh, is virtual teaching going on, a lot of online instruction. And a lot of it is homework assignments and go watch this film and, and do these papers and all that sort of thing. Uh, the kids are kind of, yeah, so they need this social emotional learning. Yep, absolutely. They need to talk. And so you have to, conductors are not really good at being democratic sometimes. We don't let people talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes, you just let them. And we, we learn, remember now I have a community orchestra, so we could talk about each other's programs because we're in support of school programs. We want them to flourish. We're not a substitute. That's very important. I don't want my call. Very important. But on the other hand, the, the, the issue is the kids need a little bit of time to unpack. And then I just don't want to assign them homework. And really what the idea is, what is it that you're interested in? We did six classes on Leadership 101. And I started off thinking, well, what do they want to be? Can be conductors, section leaders, uh, uh, president of their classes. Uh, what kind of leadership do they want? Well, it's all, it's all over the map. We have people who just simply want to be better time organizers and better figure out how to, how to keep their, their studies organized and so, and those kinds of things. And then we have kids who want to be guest conductors. We, we on our, our youth orchestra on, in our holiday program, which we're going to have to pass up this year, we would have every student who wants to conduct, they each get a piece and they can stand up in front of the ensemble. And oh, wow. Very cool. I probably hate to say this. Merle J. Isaac is um, in in his what's it Christmas Orchestra Folio, which has been around till you know probably before I was born, um, has hundreds of holiday carols, well a lot of carols, thirty nine I think in number, and then a bunch of other ones. And every student in my orchestra gets to conduct it. I thought this was going to be just a conducting class. Turns out we did six sessions, about half an hour each on how to do leadership. So, so you do the synchronous meetings and you allow your Zoom meeting mic to be on and let them talk and then you tell everybody, okay, mic's off. You also have to do a little training called etiquette because- <laughs> Very much so. His sandwich because he's gonna to go to baseball practice after 
the uh, Saturday rehearsal. Um, or you have kids, and I saw one child during a repertoire class we offered that uh, sat there arguing with his parents through the entire class while it's videotaped. So I had to point out the little squares are being seen sometimes. Right. But, so the synchronous, and that we need to do, and you can do the SEL. Now, if you do it right, then you say, hey, I have, I have a neat idea. I want you to go try this. Uh, and then you go off in the asynchronous land, which means they have homework and they have other responsibilities. If Sunday night's their thing or, you know, Thursday morning and right. school, they can go off and do some of these things. And the tools are there. And the way you purchase a music first classroom is for a year. So I'm, I'm just tickled. I have, we have a couple of new people come in. We even have alumni's parents who are considering they brought their kids to it alumni to the youth orchestra and they say hey i'm not, i want my daughter who plays clarinet i think she might like this so it gives them the opportunity to 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 jump into this but of course we have to spend a lot of time looking at those the feedback that comes in from the music first classroom and make sure everybody's on board and how to do it and it, it really wasn't a hard interface you guys created i think a very easy interface no i'm not appreciate that very much <laughs> the interface i know they're questions and I, we watch them but here's the only I've never seen a package that had so many mini videos that you could go if you had I need help on fill in the blank practice first I don't know how to make an assignment a musician I don't you know whatever and there's this little mini video who's the lady who does all those um, uh, Juliana Mateko we call her Jay she's wonderful and absolutely answers the questions what I didn't know is I'm a teacher I get a different video tutor tutorial if I want it and then I have to come in as a student and find out oh they have that set of tutorials which are much simpler so you actually made a whole it looks like a double set of tutorial videos those of us who have to learn how to use music first classroom as teachers and those who are just using the music first classroom I, I'm absolutely impressed with that yeah I mean it's 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 hundreds and hundreds of hours uh, you know of work um, but we are I think everyone know everyone who knows us knows that we're doing everything we can to help music teachers, um, you know, especially now. I mean, this whole pandemic thing has has really thrust us into the spotlight in many ways. But but back to what you were saying, Paul. I think I, I believe it was Plato who said necessity is the mother of invention, and I think it, it, that couldn't be any more uh, a perfect summation of what you've just been talking about. This idea of here is an organization a beautiful volunteer community orchestra that's been going for 37 years and then out of left field march 14th wham you can't do it anymore and in in you know first i think a lot of people would just say oh well we're just going to cancel rehearsals and wait till it's over um but i i just to be honest i i think i may have asked you maybe a day or two ago <laughs> to do this and uh, to do the podcast because I saw the article that was written. I am just so impressed with you and the ability to say, we're not gonna let this little community orchestra, you know, die uh, and just say, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna pack it up until we can meet again. But instead you just said, all right, well then how do we navigate this? How do we, how do we get the, the, the members engaged? How do we keep them coming back? How do we, you know, manage or, or balance between synchronous and asynchronous. And I really wanted, the reason why I immediately said, hey, do you want to be a guest, is I think that a whole bunch of music teachers need to hear a success story like this, that you figured it out, 
Um, you're using a bunch of different tools. Um, and I'm just, I am just so incredibly impressed uh, with what you're doing. So Paul, I'm just gonna, uh, I, I sent you a bunch of questions and I'm just gonna, many of them we've answered little bits and pieces here. But um, I wanna know how you got interested in integrating, uh, you know, you've been teaching or you taught for 35 years in the public schools. At what point did you start bringing technology into your teaching? Well, as an itinerant teacher in three buildings, I needed technology to help me. Uh, wow. And um, I don't know how anyone else does it. Uh, the teachers, and I was a curriculum leader. So once I found uh, things like Music First, which I think is going great guns right now in my district. I'm not, I'm not there now, but they're doing great things with it. Um, band directors who are in three buildings. I was in three buildings, five, six for one string group, seven, eight for a bunch of strings in another group, and then high school orchestra. And just trying to um, manage getting real assessments, true assessment. I think the secret of Music First is assessment um, and mm. providing feedback. So the practice first, which is so much better than smart music. I'll say that I'm, you, you're not paying me to do this. I will say that the, the smart music did it, did its thing, got my kids excited. A few of them really wanted those hundred percent, as I said, but the practice first listens to the entire note. So it is, it's actually a better assessment in, in the feedback that the student gets, not just initial attacks and, um, my kids, by the way, Paul, my kids used to do that when, when I used smart music with my middle school students when I was teaching. They figured that out. As long as you get the attack right at the right time, then it's, then it's correct. My, um, so I, that was actually part, you know, one of the wonderful benefits of hindsight is when you're helping or, you know, creating a brand new product like a better mousetrap. I was like, no, I want, especially with strings, with things like vibrato and holding out notes and, or any wind instrument, brass, whatever the instrument is, um, you know, it's not just the attack. It's the, it's the, how, did you play it for a dotted half note and, and was your pitch solid throughout? So I'm really glad that you mentioned that. And when we do a concept, like say you introduce a specific concept in class, you want to reinforce that concept. So you mm -hmm. say, would you do exercise number 17, 18, and 19? They may not even bring the book home. The, the magic of practice first, it doesn't matter where you are, any, anywhere you are, Okay, I'm going to put an assignment up. And I admit, during this pandemic, sometimes they were kind of late getting to their assignments. But I would say, hey, I need you to look at this. I know this is a little strange scale for you to learn A-flat major. Strings hate A-flat major. And so why don't you try this really easy excerpt of a, of a well, it's an A-flat major scale, but it's slower. And do it on, on in a quarter note is 60. Do it this way. And then you have all those little the settings you can do. Um, they can go ahead and try it and, and, and do it 15 times. We talk about how to practice. That's what we really had to do. And this, this, seemed to, this seemed to work. Now, that's what I did when I was a teacher, but I found this was so natural just to slide right into this. And some of these, well, some of these are adults, but some of these are students are not getting any of this kind of feedback. We need right. the thing, so. Now, uh, by the way, just total left field question, are any of the adults using it or is it just the kids that are using it? Yeah, they're definitely using it. Um, now, as a French horn player wants to learn electric bass of all things, uh, we're doing Lord of the Rings. 
and actually I'm looking forward to having a little more bass in my orchestra. But I really hate saying saying, but he's a doctor and he's not he's not real thrilled about what he's heard about aerosol with this COVID nineteen. Right, right, right. But you're in your own family. You don't have a bug, do you? But you know, he's a doctor. He goes to right. And so he, he wants to learn an instrument that has nothing to do with breathing. So we were able to, it, it's an inst instantaneous transfer to a, a bass part. You know? And what's nice about Music First Classroom is I just went up and found his name. I said, oh, he's also in this group. The, the best part of this thing is you make a classroom. Well, in my case, the whole orchestra is a classroom. So it's SHJO. Then under each name on the classroom, what are their instruments? Well, I have a piano player. But she also plays cello. I now have a French horn player, and he also plays bass. And there are several other crossovers like that, and that allows them that when we make a, a an exercise or expectation for to completing a section, that we uh, we uploaded XML file to practice first. So it's really whatever we want them to play. Uh, I'm sure it's and we're all copyright compliant. Right. This is Music First Classroom is a like what's a Canvas. These are programs I. I didn't have exposure. Yeah, a learning management system. Yep. When you're in an enclosed curriculum management or learning management thing, and you've purchased the music, and we have, and now I'm taking an excerpt from that music, and I'm going to try to get them to play these 16 notes correctly, and then I upload them to practice first and bring down the tempo, make it easier, and all that sort of thing. Those are those are doables. Now I have to admit, I'm a retired person. I don't know if I would have had the same amount of time back when I was in three buildings and also being a curriculum leader. Uh, but again, technology was what I turned to then to try to try to help me a little bit. Wow, very cool. Um, all right, so I got a couple more questions for you, Paul. I really appreciate all the time uh, that you're taking. And so one of the things I love, I've, I've interviewed a few people on this podcast show who have had a similar amount of uh, years of teaching, Stephanie Sanders, uh, immediately comes to mind. I think she's been teaching for almost 40 years. So, you know, after with all of that experience under your belt, having taught in the quote unquote normal world, and now having been thrown in the deep end and having to figure it out over the last six months, how to teach in this new COVID world, what advice would you give to other music teachers who are trying to figure all this out, whether it's virtual concerts, virtual rehearsals, synchronous Saturdays, what, what advice would you give to music teachers who may not have as much experience as you or might be just completely stressed out and, and not being able to figure out what on earth they can do? Well, I am an, a technology immigrant. Uh, I'm the wrong generation to say I'm a technology native. Right. Technology is what, when you were born with anything that was around that's not technology. So you and I might say a computer is technology because of our age. And I didn't have a computer when I started teaching. In fact, we didn't have internet. Did we? Uh, uh, same here. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the kids, that's not technology. So I am a technology immigrant. First piece of advice, take it slow. And take a little bit of your own advice, music teacher. Uh, chunk it take a section of all of this. Now, I'm fortunate that I, I was able to maybe learn these things fast because I, 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 was a, I like computers as a hobbyist. Mm -hmm. The Apple II Plus is my first computer. Yeah, very cool. Afraid <laughs> of C colon backslash. It did not scare me because I had a father-in-law who was very much into 
uh, even programming, but I didn't do programming. So maybe I'm not the typical, but I can tell you, like you tell your kids who get frustrated because they can't even play three notes without squeaking on the clarinet, w chunk it, take small parts of it. So if I, if I had to worry about going back to classes, I would pick one or two of the, what's nice about Music First Classroom is there's already content up there. Somebody else has already done some work. Yep. Use their content. Now, if you don't like it, you edit their content. In fact, I don't want to introduce that yet. So you take that out. You can, you can fool around that way. But maybe you only do a couple things this way. And I, as I, I'll go back to what I said before. It's important that you just keep the connection with your kids. I'm, I'm assuming this would be driving me just as crazy as everybody else. Uh, they're showing, showing pictures in the news of people using antiseptic wipes on all the books. So they, get a, they only get 30 minutes. And if somebody had a book or, or uh, music, they, I guess, I don't know if sheet music has to be wiped down like that. I hope not. Goodness gracious. Just, their class is to clean it clean the desks afterwards. That's part of their teaching or whatever. The kids are in person who have touched these things. So there's enough on our backs right now. Right. Take small parts of it. So if, if I was starting over right now, I'd, I'd probably say, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna focus on practice first. I'm an instrumentalist. It works real well. And I'm, it turns out all the books that I taught when I was a string teacher are available for practice first. Oh, great. Very good. Strings. My wife says that's the only book she would ever use, and she teaches privately using Zoom right now. Pra uh, so I, you can use practice first and say, I want you to do X, Y, Z. So keep it slow. I wouldn't try to put up a whole curriculum or fill out all the, you know, because there's, there's, this is a vast type problem. That, that's probably how I would approach it first. That's great, great advice. And what about, um, so here's a, a question that wasn't on the list, but I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna ask it because I'm so interested. What are your plans for performances, or do you have any plans for performances with your community orchestra, Paul? We just just uh, distributed another whole folder of music. Now, one of the weirdest things I've ever done in my life, I didn't believe in soundtracks. I don't know, and remember, I was a musical director too. Right. One of the things you don't do is if you're doing Guys and Dolls, you don't tell the kids to go look up the video of that. And I won't mention who the leads are in that. They're famous. Right, yeah, yeah. Their acting is terrible. So, <laughs> um, the acting is awful. And if you're a drama director, I, I had to learn drama, but if you're involved in musicals, you don't want the kids to be what they just saw in the movie. You know? So yep. yeah, same deal with soundtracks, all right? It so happens there are a lot of, on YouTube, it's a wonderful tool. You can, and by the way, you can drop that right into a Music First Classroom lesson. Uh, the link, then poof, they're there, you know, you, right. and, and everything you do in Music First, you use the tools, like if you use their focus on sound thing, um, and you have a specific uh, story about a composer or some specific uh, musical element, it's a URL, it's like a, a, a thing that you can drop somewhere else in, and the kids are, when they're in the Music First environment, they can go and get that little chunk, if you will. Yep. So I've had to go and look for soundtracks of the same arrangements, and a lot of them are Merle J. Isaac and so forth. Mm -hmm. And um, then that way, when you go to a Zoom meeting and you want to have the students at least to have a semblance of a full ensemble experience, you can um, take that piece of music and say, well, this so happens 
to be a Philadelphia Orchestra by Eugene Ormandy played the uh, Bach Fugue in G minor, and it's up here on this YouTube. So would you like to play in the Philadelphia Orchestra? Okay. He actually starts off pretty slow. The oboes start, but we do the first violins, and off you go, and the kids can play with it. So we have two sets of folders, spring 2020. Music was going pretty well on it, but I actually picked some really hard selections, and mm -hmm. now I realize I have to pull back a little bit. And now fall 2020, and another six or seven selections. So here's our, our mission. We'll keep them practicing. We'll use all these tools in the asynchronous land. We'll have the virtual rehearsals. And then if the school district calls me up and says, you, you can come back in February or you can come back in uh, March or whatever, we're ready and we can come back to two or three live rehearsals on Saturday and then we'll be ready to put a performance up right away. Now, it's important, it's hard to recruit in this setting. It's hard for me to get new people to come into orchestra because the magic is once you come to a live rehearsal, they, they laugh at my jokes like they laugh at your jokes, huh? Jim? <laughs> exactly. It's the personality that they Absolutely. But so I'm, I'm missing out. I used to take the, the month of August as come on and see what it's like type rehearsals. I've lost that. So we're down in numbers right now. But our mission, we're almost a balanced instrumentation. We're pretty close. I could use another percussion player. Jim, you don't play percussion. I don't. I'm sorry. My brother does, but not me. Yeah, but then, then when we maybe get another rehearsal or two under our belt in person, this whole thing was worth it because we kept them going. I hope we kept them excited about staying in music. And it's frustrating out there right now. I announced for the marching band, for my school's marching band. I still do that. And last week, he was told he could have 39 musicians uh, in the stands, like a pep band. He's got over 100. He's been, and you know, how, how are you supposed to pick 39? Yeah, that's tough. Every single person, including line judge and people in the booth and referees, every football player, uh, 20 cheerleaders, 10 auxiliary unit members, and no parents originally were not allowed to even come to, to be spectators. Now, they're starting to loosen that up around our area. But I talked to band members, including those who are in my youth orchestra here, who said they're really frustrated. Uh, the band director at Upper St. Clair, I don't know if he was disobeying anything, but he said, this is it. We can't just sit in here and do PowerPoint slides and talk about music. So he said, let's grab your instrument. Let's go outside. <laughs> so he didn't ask for permission. What is that? Don't ask for permission. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Better to beg uh, forgiveness than ask for permission. But I I've seen so many uh, successful rehearsals outside. One of my dearest friends in the world, uh, Pat Burns, uh, has an amazing community band for very similar, but it's a, it's a band instead of an orchestra in uh, Bloomfield, New Jersey. And he actually put on concerts this summer, completely socially distanced, uh, you know, they had these out in a parking lot with everybody six feet apart and, and he did it outside and it worked. And, and my hat's off to another person trying to make it work out there. So, yeah, even though, you know, I'm sure that the, these directors might get uh, their, their wrist slapped for it, it. It is, you know, this hopefully this outdoor thing is a whole lot safer and we can do it uh, responsibly. But I totally understand. I think every music teacher in America right now wants nothing more if they're a performance ensemble director of course and wants nothing more to get back on that podium with kids you know we're going to get winter here soon so i know i know especially in western pa it gets really cold <laughs> so 
when that happens, we want to know, is, are there going to be heaters underneath the tents? There you go. <laughs> All right, Paul. So I'm running out of time with you, unfortunately. I could talk to you for hours. Um, I'm going to ask you the final question, uh, which is the ma magic wand question. And, uh, you know, full, just transparent, uh, you, let me have it. If you could wave a magic wand and have music first do something that it currently doesn't do, and it doesn't have to be music first, it could be technology in general, uh, what would it do? Or what would you, what would you have us change if, if, if that's better? Well, first of all, you can't change the laws of physics, so we can't fix the Zoom meetings. There you go. <laughs> the speed of light versus the speed of sound. Somebody once explained to me that's one of the problems. It is? If you're in Los Angeles and I'm in Pittsburgh and I play a note on the downbeat, you know, it's no way to sync those two things, no matter what technology you use, even you use Beam it or whatever, you know, well, yep. this is the fastest. I, I really like everything that's in the music first package. I guess practice first occasionally uh, takes an XML file and does bad things to it. Like, uh, what do we call them? Um, complimentary, not complimentary, accidentals. What do you call the accidentals that you ask to be put in there? Oh, uh, cautionary. Yeah, that's it. And they sometimes doesn't come through. You know, there are a couple uh, tech techy things. Uh, snare drum on practice first. Um, yeah, we can't do it. We've tried. We, we spent a lot of money trying to make it happen. It is very, very difficult to do it the way we're doing it. I'm, I'm getting my percussion player to do it bells because he has to read notes. But I could only imagine that that could be something that, and then I heard you've now added sound. Is it called Soundtrap? Yeah, so Soundtrap, I, just one quick thing on practice first, and we're recording this in like mid-September. Um, we are going to be uh, adding a feature for percussionists so that they'll be able to record themselves, but they won't get assessed on it. And let me just, for everyone listening, and, and Paul specifically, it is very difficult for a microphone to pick up anything more than a quarter note or an eighth note on a snare drum. So the minute they go into a roll, yeah. let's say a five stroke roll, a simple five stroke roll, it immediately just goes, I have no idea whether that was a five stroke roll because of the kind of distortion and the, I don't know how to say it, but you know, it's almost like a, a wall of sound or a wash of sound when, when percussion players are playing rolls or paradiddles or anything like that. And we would rather not attempt uh, it than just to have it always be wrong, which is what it would be. So yeah, I hear you on that one completely. And then you, you are, you have added Soundtrap, is that what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Yep. So, but that, I assume that's an extra cost, which it, it, it is, it does, it allows for collaborative recording, which is great for ensembles. So you can like uh, split up kids into a quartet, have one student record themselves asynchronously in one track, and then the other kids can add themselves to subsequent tracks. Well, I will tell you that when this year's over, I hope we'll be back in March or April, whenever they get the vaccinations done, right. people will start having, and and then I got to rebuild my orchestra. But the first thing I will do is be knocking at your door, your uh, actually Robin's door. He's my official. Uh, uh, yeah, he's he's great. I love him. Uh, but I watched, you know, as as the PMEA uh, Council for Teacher Training Recruitment Retention Chair, I, it's my job to go out looking for people to present and all that. But uh, you know, you guys have always presented well in our conferences. No, I appreciate that very much, Paul. But I will tell you, the first thing I'll do is, even if we have live rehearsals, we've got to keep this tool in the background so that uh, people, music first classroom, 
uh, I think that it's the best thing I can do for the education. There are so many kids who are charter schools and are not taking private lessons, and then we can fill in those gaps. So that's the plan for Sojo in the future, and it's Zola. Zola, I love it. Well, Paul, it, it is it has been an absolute delight to chat with you. My hats off to you and your wife for for your volunteer efforts for 38 years. I mean, that's just stunning to me that that you've you've stuck to it even in this face of uh, what seems like insurmountable challenges. And uh, I hope, Paul, that I get to see you at PMEA in April. I'm, you know, hope, I don't know if it's already been called off, but I miss, I miss my teacher friends. I miss seeing people like you. And uh, it's what makes being a music teacher, in my opinion, such a wonderful profession is, is sharing that kind of social interaction with other like-minded folks. And I can tell you, Paul, after talking to you that we are certainly cut from the same cloth. So, Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Paul, and I wish the best to you uh, and your organization. Please send my warm regards to all the students and, and the adults that are still making music with you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.